Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of the Four Feathers podcast. I am your host, Johnny Nani. I'm joined tonight by Tony Marchese and Patrick Comiskey. It's time to crack them and get caught up on the Blackhawks. Well, gentlemen, it's kind of a sad occasion tonight. Um, you know, last night, Hawks lost at Arizona. Um that kind of feels like the last nail in the coffin. I know it's not mathematically eliminating them, um, but that is the reason for the down uh, um, tone of this episode. So, um, I mean, first of all, how, how are you guys doing tonight? I mean, that that's just the first thing on my mind, so I had to get to it. Well, give me a second, because I'm just about done with that beer I just cracked. Um <laughs> You know, that's got to get a little bit lubricated for this one because not doing so hot, Johnny. I don't know about you, Pat. You know what? I'm actually, last night was rough, but I'm actually in pretty good spirits today because uh, I've been working on a little Hawks blog today. Um, to the listeners, look out for it. It'll be coming out in the next few days, um, taking us down the road of the glory days of the Blackhawks, the top 15 moments of the last decade. So after watching all those videos and comprising all that, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm sure if you threw those highlights from the game last night in front of me, my mood would change quickly. But, you know, uh, it, it was a rough one, but uh, we're, we're in high spirits. We weren't expecting them to go anywhere anyways. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, see, that's the kind of positivity we need. That's why we brought you on, Pat. So thank you for that. I look forward to uh, reading that. So Yeah, that's going to that's gonna help, I think. It's going to help just a little bit. Yeah, I think we all need it. I needed it. I think it's, it's very much needed across all of Blackhawks Nation. So, um, I mean, you know, we, uh, like you had said, we didn't really expect this team to go anywhere, but I think it was the roller coaster ride that is kind of putting us in this mood right now. Um, you know, I was spouting off a little bit on the four feathers Twitter last night after the game. Um, our group chat was fairly profane. Um, it, it's just tough. It's tough to deal with when it finally actually happens. Like I said, there was kind of that, you know, life support sort of moment on Sunday night when they took care of Colorado in overtime. And you're like, okay, this can still happen. You kind of expected us to go back up on this roller coaster a little bit you're like well it would just be so natural with the blackhawks to go you know win at arizona at least take a point against san jose and then maybe it falls off when you get the central gauntlet next week um but uh, this happened now um it sucks but it is what it is so um it, it, we, it's been a little bit since we last talked, so there are plenty of games in between there. But of the ones of importance, you know, you lose 3-2 to, in overtime to Vancouver last Monday, then 3-1 to one home loss against Philadelphia. So you're taking one point there on your home ice, and then you go to Colorado, lose 4-2, come back home on Sunday, and win in overtime 2-1, to one, and then last night got get shut out at Arizona. Um, I mean, we've seen this earlier in the season back in that like mid February, uh, kind of range of dates where they had a chance to really put themselves in a decent situation and make the playoff picture look really, uh, competitive in there. Cause it would have been right up there on those teams asses. 
Um, but instead, they fall in those games, games that they should win against Vancouver and Philadelphia there. Don't do themselves any favor against the teams they're trailing in Colorado. Um, and then especially Arizona, too. So um, well, let's just sound off round table. Whoever wants to take it first, go ahead. I'll pass it on over to Pat. Yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, this is the frustrating thing is that we talked um, a couple months ago about just going down the stretch of the schedule, like the last week or so of the schedule is going to be the tough part of it. Well, this portion we just played was the easy part of it, and you did have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs there, and you just completely shit the bed. You know, you're losing to non-playoff teams. Uh, the effort wasn't great every night. Even that Philadelphia game, that's the one I kind of go back to and is that Philadelphia game where um, they dominated it shot wise, but they really didn't have a lot of percentage chances in that game. It was a lot of everything to the outside, uh, not a lot of tough saves for Philadelphia to make. And that I think that was at the point where you kind of seen the Hawks start running out of gas, um, which is expected. You know, we've been we've been talking about Kane. Where's Patrick Kane? Uh, we we talked about putting out the uh, uh, MIA thing for him. Uh, I think he's just he's hitting a wall. Uh, he's been carrying this team all year. They've been on his back, and he's just hitting a wall. And it's one of those things where you knew once Kane went, the whole the team's going with him. You know, he's the only one at this point that can carry them. And once he stops trucking, it's it's kind of over. And that's where we're at now. You've seen it last night. He's seen it in the home and home with Colorado. It's just this team is what it is. It's not very good. They're not like a bottom five team, but they're certainly not a playoff team. And, you know, that's the way it's going to shape out. I think that's the way we kind of thought it would shape out. So something kind of interesting, if you go back to the Toronto game, the Hawks are four and three over that last seven stretch. They've got a winning record. And yet, that still wasn't even good enough um, for them to get to where they needed to be. And it, if this was in the middle of the year and we were talking about a four and three stretch, guys, I think we'd have a lot more positivity than we do right now. Um, the offense completely dried up when it when they needed them there most. And Johnny, you, you've been around on four feathers a little bit longer than Pat has, obviously. Uh, but one of the things that I've said all year since the beginning of the year is that this team needs its stars to show up. Um, and Ron and I did an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about one guy in particular, um, and that's Drake Kajula. And he seemed to solidify that first line. And ever since he's been gone, that's when you saw Patrick Kane dry up. I was really disappointed last night when I looked at those lines at the beginning of the game. I, I just didn't understand what what was going on with them. I mean, you move Strom out of center, you'd separate Strom and Debrinkit, a, a pair that's been pretty much inseparable when you needed them, and they've they've done quite well. You completely made the lines top-heavy. I mean, the fourth line was garbage, absolute garbage. The third line was pretty much garbage, too. The only guy down there... Brandon Saad. I mean, when you had that top line with Drake Kajula on it, it just seemed like this was a completely different team. 
Uh, I'm not going to say that the only reason that they've kind of faltered here towards the end is that, but it just seemed like it took a lot of energy out of the sales of this team. And if you look at some of these goals that they've scored over the past three, four games, there's been something in common in almost all of them, and that's that somebody's been in front of the damn net. I don't understand what this team has. Like, uh, they're afraid of getting in front of the net. You see Johnny Taves go there. You see Anisimov go there. You saw a lot of Drake Kajula there before, but where's everybody else? You know, I'm not, I haven't seen them in front of the net very much. A lot of the chances that they've tried to to score on have been cross-ice passes with nobody in front of the net or on the breakaway. Everything else, like you, you mentioned earlier, Pat, has been outside, cycle, cycle the puck around, and then either give up a turnover or take a weak shot from a low percentage area. There's been no high percentage scoring chances. You've seen Debrinket kind of whiff on a lot of those cross-ice chances. You know, those those one-timers are great, but this isn't the same team that had our Tommy Panarin two, three years ago, and I feel like they're still in that same offensive mode. You know, we want to talk a lot about Jeremy Colleton changing the dynamics of the offense, and I really, I, I really see the exact same team that I saw under Joel Quenville as far as the offense goes. You know, we saw a little bit of the power play get uh, a little bit better there for for a, a, a decent stretch, I'd say. But now, I mean, they, I can't remember the last time I saw a power play goal scored. It's been They're like it's been, one. Yeah, it's like one, one for in their last twenty-seven or something like that. Yeah, it's something absolutely ridiculous. Like that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. And the thing that bothers me the most was almost Jeremy Colleton's comments after the game last night where he came out and he said something along the lines of, and this isn't a direct quote because I don't have it in front of me, but he said something about the team didn't start playing until after Arizona put their first goal in the net. And it really bothered me that he attributed it to the team wasn't playing its hardest until then. You're the coach of an NHL team fighting for their playoff lives. And you want to tell me that your team wasn't giving enough effort in the first period, like the first period, all through the second period. Like, what are they doing out there? What are you doing on the bench to get these guys riled up? Nothing. Are you just sitting there? Like there's gotta be a message sent at some point. Whether that comes from Keith, Taves, Seabrook, some of these guys. I mean, you saw the effort from Duncan Keith in the OT win against Colorado where he willed that puck into the net. That was awesome. But outside of that, when's the last like big moment for the Hawks where you were like, wow, this is awesome? It's got to be over a week ago. I mean, you go back to that Philadelphia game. They looked completely dead there. The OT win versus Vancouver, that's probably what you're going back to. So... You know, the, the the great moments where the Hawks have had all that pressure on, they've been few and far between. And what I see from a lot of this team over this last stretch is they're trying to play a puck possession game, but they're just not generating scoring chances. And it doesn't matter if you're holding on to the puck if you can't get the puck to the net and you don't have any traffic there. It's just so bothersome. I don't know. I, I don't know what fixes that. I know a lot of people are out there saying like, "Oh, you know, signing a guy like Artemi Panarin is is isn't going to solve it." The defense has actually been pretty legit for the past few games. I mean, you look and at it, the goals. It wouldn't hurt. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. You look at the goals given up. 
they're not giving up a lot of goals like they were earlier in the year. I mean, the defense has been tightened up a little bit. It wouldn't hurt to add somebody who's an offensive threat because right now I don't feel like you have three lines, let alone two lines, that you can actually rely on. You know, you want to talk about Absolutely. some of these. You want to talk about some of these guys who have had good years. It's like Brandon Perlini came out of nowhere, but these are short stretches. This team has always needed its stars to show up. And granted, Patrick Kane, like you said, carried the team on his back. He's been doing nothing for the past few games. And then you look at this team, and it's just it, it, like there's no there's no lines rolling. There's no scoring chances generated. I mean, people were falling asleep last night. I mean, it's just it's it's not good hockey to watch. I don't, I don't know what fixes that, but it really bothered me when Jeremy Carlton kind of came out and was like, "Well, you know, we weren't giving an eff- the, our best effort till then." Well, why? I mean, there's got to be a problem there that needs to get solved. I don't know what it is, but that's alarming to me because you talk about how close this team is next year to being a playoff contending team. This is where you need to see them generating those chances. This is where you need to see them as if they're up against the ropes. And so far over the past three years, when this team's been down, it just seems like they give up. They don't have that feeling of they're in any game because they didn't feel in that game at all last night. And that was a playoff game for them. It was the same thing Saturday against Colorado. At no point did you really feel like we can generate enough scoring chances to get ourselves back in this game. It, that's what's more concerning to me than some of this, you know, what are we going to do to fix it? It's what's the attitude of this team. Yeah, so I agree 100% with uh, both of those rants there. And actually, my points are going to piggyback off of what you guys had just said. And then I have a couple of additional ones um, to go back on. So, uh, Patrick, first of all, what you had said about them, you know, leading in shots, but not having high danger chances. Um, I'm, I'm a stat nerd when it comes to watching these games. I pull up both the regular box score on NHL.com. I pull up naturalstattrick.com because that gives you all the Corsi, Fenwick, high danger chances, scoring chances, all of that stuff, all graphed, updated live throughout the game. And last night, perfect example. They ended up leading in shots, 31-29 at the end of the game, but the high danger chances were 12-5 to in favor of Arizona. So what does that tell us? That tells us that goes right into Tony's point. What are these guys, you know, it's all kind of outside perimeter passing, kind of shoot from there. You get a shot from the point. Sure, that'll count as a shot on goal if it gets through. Um, but nobody's in front of the net to try and, like, you know, redirect or slam home a rebound or anything like that. So that goes to Tony's point there in that there's a pass across the ice last night to Patrick Kane. He throws on a one-timer, and Dylan Strom standing off to the right of Darcy Kemper instead of right in front of him. Like, just all he had to do was skate literally a foot and a half to his left, and he's right in front of the net then providing a screen. All right, maybe it doesn't go through, but you're at least taking away the goalie's eyes. Um, That's what we need to see, and nobody's willing to actually do it. Um, it's frustrating to watch. Tony talked about where's the, you know, when's the last time they had a big moment. Sure. The key thing was great. I will give him credit for that. The one-on-one shutdown of McKinnon at one end going back and then forcing that puck through, uh, that was Sunday night against Colorado. That was great to see. That was definitely, you know, one of the best like moments that you could say. Um, but before this, it's not in any of these games, uh, you know, these last crucial seven games that uh, have been since we last talked. 
Um, I'm going you know, back to Perlini won. getting that hat trick, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, that, that that was a firing on all cylinders game. And, you know, I make these videos like uh, the last few games. I've been making these hype videos. If you follow the Four Feathers Twitter or Instagram, I'm posting them there. Um, but I use like the highlights from that game. So I was like, they need to bring that same fire tonight. And what did they do? They did not bring that same fire uh, last night at Arizona. So um, I, I agree, Tony. I think that was probably the last like moment that you saw of swagger. And, you know, you and me have talked about this a little bit uh, just personally in uh, direct messages or in person or whatever it may be. But the Drake Kajula thing missing, I really, you know, first of all, I think Patrick Kane has, I'm not saying Drake Kajula was the reason Patrick Kane was producing, but it helped open up ice. I think he was the perfect complement to that top line when it was uh, Kajula on the left wing, Taves in the center, and then Kane on the right wing. I think that was a pretty perfect combination for where they were at there. Um, But since he went down, you know, Kane's dried up. He hasn't had a goal now in seven games after that Arizona game last night. Um, It, it, this team needs the stars to perform like Tony had said, and they're not getting it. So they're not getting depth scoring at all. Um, One, one thing I'll uh, say is Brandon Saad has deserved more than anyone to be moved up um, to those top lines, one or two, in the last both two games for sure, and maybe even the game before that. When I was watching last night, um, you talk about guys not having that effort, that willing to go to, the willing to drive in and hold the puck deep while they wait for reinforcements. Brandon Saad was one of the only guys doing that last night. I was very impressed with him, and I just don't understand why he gets left down on those. You know, I think he's playing on the third line there then. So um, uh, it, it's all just so frustrating. It, it's a time where they should be gunning 100% balls out so that effort comment by Kaladin just, you know, sends us into even more of a rage. So I just want to know, yeah, where is it? Um, I agree then touching back on one more thing that Pat had said, these guys are definitely gassed. You know, Kane, he's probably running a little bit out of steam. He's been playing ridiculous amount of minutes. Um, Jonathan Taves, for as decent of a season that he's had, he is probably a little bit tired too. I would imagine, you know, a center playing end-to-end. Um, he's still been decent on face-offs, but I don't think you're getting that same work in the corners against the boards. I don't think you're getting that same type of, I'm going to win this puck, get it out to a defenseman, and then we're going to cycle around, and I'll get back to the front of the net, and we'll make something happen. You're not getting that as consistently out of Jonathan Taves because he's gassed because nobody else is helping him. Where the hell has Dominic Cahoon been? Um, early in the season, he showed some flashes. I'm not saying he was that consistent, but he showed some flashes of great puck handling ability, uh, really helped relieve pressure on the boards, and then you'd be able to get it out you know, through two sticks and back to a defenseman and keep a play alive. But I haven't seen anything like that from him lately. I don't even so, notice him on the ice, um, man. No, no, I honestly, you don't, you don't. Um, I mean, granted, he was playing up on the top lines. So that was earlier in the season. Uh, he was playing with uh, Taves early on but you know there there's just no reinforcement there's no depth so um it's unfortunate that we're at this juncture right now um it's most disappointing because i think there's one thing that i had said you know oh well you know even though some things have gone wrong at least this team looks like they care and that was back you know like during their like winning streak if they'd go down they'd you know at least come back and tie it up or whatever it may be 
um, that just kind of ran out. So I was saying, you know, like, oh, it looks so much better than last year's team. They just rolled over and died. It's like this team hasn't rolled over and died as much, and now they're starting to. Um, yeah, uh, not a good. Book. I don't know. Not great. It's frustrating. Bob. Uh, yeah, that that's the best. Uh, you know, if you're going to do an audio form of a gif that's what it is right there um you guys have anything else to go before i uh get birthday boy ron loose on the call yeah i i, I just i just want to pose one question uh we're looking for this fire out of the blackhawks i want to know what jeremy colleton's problem is with john hayden where the fuck is john hayden at? i was just and about to go here too it's cruz kunitz on the ice every fucking night you know like i i don't get it you know i these are probably the last, uh, what are we at, six games of Chris Kunitz's career? Whatever. As far as I'm concerned, last night's game can be Chris Kunitz's final NHL game. To hell with him. I want John Hayden. I'm not saying John Hayden's this world beater, but Jesus, let him put him on the ice. Let him go bang some bodies. Let him create room. What is Chris Kunitz doing out there? Nothing. He's giving you nothing. You, you know want- he's not coming back next year. What is the point? You want some fun numbers? He played 532. At Colorado on Saturday, 532. I'm not saying John Hayden would have been a, you know, 12, 15 minute guy, but holy hell, 532. What are you getting out of him? Why is he even out there then? At least John Hayden will come on and bang some bodies. Maybe he'll rough up a defenseman a little bit, uh, get under their skin, draw a penalty. I agree with you, Pat. Here's my thing. You know, you want to replace Drake Kajula. You want somebody out there that's going to create space? Tell John Hayden to get out there at the first line, put Sakura down on the fourth line, and there's your perfect Kajula replacement. Maybe not perfect, but at least it gives you something. I just found it funny that his mom retweeted my change.org petition to to get John Hayden into the lineup. I think that was pretty funny. Yeah, he needs. He should have been in uh, way earlier. Uh, like, a, you know, if they go and put him in against San Jose Thursday night, that's too little, too late. Uh, this needed to happen over a week ago. Um, Chris Kunitz hasn't offered anything. The last time he scored was against that in that ass whooping against Arizona at home. Uh, that seven-one game, and and that's only because everyone there was scored in that game. yeah, everyone scored, and it was a completely vacated area. It wasn't like he made some like tight area play and uh, got around a defender and made so, you know had a shot that went bar down. Uh, it wasn't that he was wide open, and uh, David Camp slipped in the puck, and there was literally nobody because the defense had all collapsed to the right side of the ice. So, um, yeah. John Hayden should definitely be in this lineup. Uh, we've been calling for it on social media, and um, obviously Mrs. Hayden agrees, Tony. So, I mean, that's the important thing. If your mom thinks you should be out there on the ice, you should obviously be out there on the ice. You know what I want to see is Hayden's mom show up at the at the locker room at the end of the game and address Jeremy Colleton and ask him why her son's not in the lineup. I think that would be a pretty fun fun moment. Yeah, I think I'll, Colleton I'll, might fold. Yeah, I'll provide her with all the, uh, you know, the advanced stats that she needs. If she really, you know, obviously she can go on her rant, but I'll give her Chris Kunitz's Corsi 4 and all that. And Yeah, maybe you know. we get her on the podcast, too. I was going to say, guys, do you think John Hayden's going to be around here much longer? I think he's upset with the organization. I mean, wouldn't I, you be? I think I don't count anything out with Stan Bowman. He'll probably be in Arizona next year. Half the roster plays there. Yeah, it was kind of weird watching that game against Arizona, guys. I mean, you saw a lot of former Blackhawks out there. Um, 
the Hinnestroza getting in Taves face was uh, a little a little interesting to watch there, guys. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah. And yeah. I'll tell you what, Hinnestroza looked pretty good last night, don't you think? He was active. He was creating chances. He's a smaller guy out there, but man, he he plays big sometimes. He's fast. It was like that'd be a nice guy to have on the Hawks roster this year, and you just gave him away to get rid of Hosa's contract to clear up that cap space that huh you didn't even use. So <laughs> that just that always draws back to those Stan Bowman things of what the hell were you doing, man? Like I, I would love to have Vinny Henestros on this team. There, there's a guy you could throw up on that top line. Uh, he's he's setting all these career highs down in Arizona of all places. Let him do it here, but no, we just you know you got to give him away because. I mean, guys, Just cause. Guys, let's go back to this because you bring up a really good point. Wouldn't you have rather had Hosa on IR all year and have Vinny still in the organization than give them up and not get anything back in return for it? I mean, Absolutely. What, what, what did that yep. trade do for us this year? Not a damn thing. Nothing. Made Stan because, feel better. That's it. Because this offseason... I think Hosa would have one. He's got one more year, right? One or two more years after this. I think it's two more. I could be wrong though. But couldn't you have gone into this off season and maybe tried to move that contract with yeah. some, with with somebody else instead of Henestroza? I mean, obviously, when Stan got the opportunity to make that move, he he wanted to make it. But if you weren't going to plan on doing anything with that cap space, what was the point? Yeah, right. You I mean, could you, just do this same trade. You talk this about you talk about that that article that Scott Powers wrote in the Athletic, um, and the Hawks had approached Hosa and said, "Like, we want to move your contract. Are you okay with this?" And he said, "Yeah, anything to help the organization." I can't imagine how Marion Hosa feels because <laughs> you know this guy's following the Blackhawks season. You know he's watching it closely. And what did they do with his? his money that was saved absolutely nothing I, th- I feel like that's almost a slap in the face like hey we're gonna move your contract and then we're gonna play shit hockey all year and we're not gonna do anything to improve our roster and you now have to go report to arizona and and finish your career underneath the the management of the Ar- arizona coyotes like if you weren't gonna do anything with it what was the point of moving his contract i know i'm a big hosa guy but it just seems really shitty to go move the guy with what was one of your better performing young guys who was supposed to be just like we talked about Nick Schmaltz, Hennis Joe's a Hartman. Stan Bowman's always had the same thing about all these guys. Oh yeah, they're going to be part of the organization for a long time. This is the next wave of the Blackhawks. You even go back to Tara Vinen, the next wave of the Blackhawks. We never even got to see the next wave because most of them are playing in uh, Arizona at this point in time. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's stupid. It's it's, it's really dumb. Dis- it's disturbing. It's very disappointing that, you know, nothing was done. And then you're looking at the free agents for this upcoming year. It's not much better. Who are they going to go out and sign? You can't give me a name right now off the top of your head who would be worthwhile signing that would make this team better. We, we have to get to in the notes and uh, updates the news there, um, there was a defenseman signing. We will get to that when it comes. But, you know, this team needs more D. And I don't see anyone that is a glimmering ray of hope out there in free agency. Yeah, so, they're all they're all RFAs, and you really don't want to go down that road. That's the problem. You know, there's some good RFAs out there, but yeah, you can't do that because you're going to overpay them. You're going to give up your draft picks, and it's, it's just really not worth it. 
so at this point, I think if you're going to play in free agency, you're playing for a forward and you're going to overpay those guys too. Um, I would like to see them go get a forward, but you're like you said, Johnny, uh, there's just no one out there defensively. Everyone keeps, we need defense. We need defense. We need defense. Throw me a name, throw me a name that you're going to get because there's no one out there. That's the problem. It's, Timing-wise for needing defense, this lined up terribly for the Blackhawks. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, what are you going to do? I mean, it's Stan's problem. I mean, he's the one that caused it. So I I don't trust him to fix that problem. But, hey, we'll see once, uh, what is it, like June 1st rolls around or whatever, July 1st. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting summer. Say the least, like you had said, Patrick, Stan put himself in the situation. Um, let's see how he tries to wiggle out of it, um, what the actual moves are in the summer. I don't know. It's not looking too good, though. And if you're relying on these young guys, uh, I mean, you couldn't you didn't even feel safe enough to keep Yoki Haru up um, all this year. So eh, don't tell me Nicholas Bodine and Adam Boquist are the answer right now, because I still think both of those guys need a full year of AHL under them if this is how they're going to operate. So with that said, I think it's time to go to the birthday boy. Um, our guy, Ron Luce, is out at the bar imbibing, celebrating his birthday. He was generous enough with this time to say that he would call in, uh, give us his little eulogy on the Blackhawks. So we are going to go to him right now. All right. We got Ron, the birthday boy, live from I don't know what bar he's at, but he is out celebrating his birthday. Ron, happy birthday. How are you tonight? I am good, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for the birthday wishes from every single one of you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, out here at uh, Lucky's Lounge in uh, Chicago Ridge. And uh, we're going to be in one. We're doing some some 108 some crack-em. You know, we're, we're going to get all the, the vocab words out tonight. I'm going to crack um, one right now for you, Ron. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Cheers. That was a good one. That was a good crack. Yeah, so Ron, before you came on, we were talking about um, our gripes with the effort over the past few games. Um, pretty much given our eulogy, uh, I mean, it's not mathematically done yet, just yet, but, you know, losing to a team that you're chasing last night, um, the last three games, all teams that you're chasing, uh, you only took two points, and you also gave one away Sunday night, uh, even with that win. So, you know, that loss at Arizona, literally no offense. It was a shutout. So um, go ahead, sound off on your uh, Blackhawks eulogy for the season. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, I think it's an ode to teasing me and every one of my feelings in my body as a Blackhawks fan. And, and here's why, because there's a lot of, there's some good this year. You know, we, we saw the emergence of Dylan Strom after the trade and, and the hot streak that Perlini went on uh, really recently. I mean, what, he had one of the best three-week roughly stretches in, in all of hockey. Uh, it was the second star standpoint. of the week. Exactly. I mean, that's that's a big deal, especially coming from a guy who was a fourth-line cast-off in Arizona of all fucking places. And now, you know, here he is. He's doing good things in Chicago. He's found some chemistry with some of these guys. Um a positive ode to Debrinkit taking the next step forward and being a 70 point guy this year. And he's going to continue to grow. He's almost at 40 goals this year. Um, you know, an unbelievable year from Kane. If this team's in the playoffs, Kane's, Kane is the undeniable MVP. And if you tell me anybody else's, you're lying. And a resurgence from guys like Jonathan Taves, strong performances from guys like Corey Crawford. So there has been some good this year. 
then again, there's been a lot of bad, and it's uh, it's been painful. It's been painful to watch at times. You know, you got Eric Gustafson, who's I'll give him credit. He's been playing a lot better of late in his own end. Not great, but good. With the right pairing partner, I think he's perfect in his situation. But, God, watching him in his own zone is like watching, I don't even know. I can't even fathom it into words because it's so painful. And I don't, I don't want to make it too negative tonight because we're having fun. We're talking to Blackhawks still, even though they're, they're struggling a little bit. That all being said, you know, Gustafson's been bad in his zone. Keith and Seabrook aren't the same players they were. Um, you know, Connor Murphy's been okay this year, but he, again, I, and I feel bad for the guy, but he's not a Nicholas Jalmerson. And, and this team needs a guy like a Nicholas Jalmerson. That's literally what that defense is missing, what that blue line is missing. And so here we sit. Uh, they sit at, we're at what, 75 points? In the, in the standings currently 76 76 yeah so we're 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 struggling a little bit you know the, the yeah the season's all pretty much but over you know what i, I give i i know i'm probably going to be the only one that was positive about it but i give jeremy Carlton a lot of credit coming into this season because he was not handed the tools i can't wait for him Would, to listen to me to ro- roast jeremy Carlton <laughs> 10 minutes but before he comes it. on here but think about it when when you know when you're handed a team that their big offseason moves quote unquote were Chris Kunitz, Brandon Manning and Cam Ward get the fuck out of here telling me this team is a playoff team and pardon my french for our listeners but i mean you know how can you justify that how can you justify that as a front office telling me that you have a playoff team and these are your acquisitions what's going on what are you doing what is this so you know what a eulogy to that front office because you know what? They're the ones that need to hear it. They're the ones that need to realize this team has potential. You have young forwards in place who are good players. You have some pieces on defense that with the right partners and with the right, you know, deployment, they're great. I I know I'm going to plug it because we've all been plugging it, but I agree. John Hayden should be playing. Yeah, he's making 70, 750K. But he's a 23-year-old forward who goes into the corners hard. He's physical. He has some offensive ability. This season was almost already a waste because of how bad they started off. Why not give the kid a shot? Why is Chris Kunitz, a 38-year-old veteran, making a million bucks playing more games than he is? You know? And I'm hoping, I'm hoping as a Blackhawks fan, that next season he comes in, he's, he's you know, he's, he's motivated, really. You know, he's pissed off. I want him to be a guy who's pissed off, a guy on a mission. He's got something to prove because those are the guys that are dangerous. And all of a sudden, you know, we're going to be sitting here with Chris Kunitz, gone. Marcus Kruger, more likely than not, let's be honest, gone. You know, there's going to be a lot of contracts that get shed from that bottom six this year. John Hayden, if he gets any chances the rest of the season, I hope he comes in and just plays like John Madden did back in that Stanley Cup first first year that it happened just balls to the walls shift after shift after shift prove to this front office why you should be here next year he's on a two-year extension that they signed him to next year is year number two he's got a lot to prove he's a young player he's got a lot of upside he needs to be playing games if they're looking to the future Perlini needs to be put in bigger situations Strom does not need to be playing wing that was a load of dog shit the other night by the way why he's playing wing on camp center is beyond me Agreed. Jeremy Col- Jeremy Colleton's the answer to that, Ron. I I know, but and I get it, but like 
he had it going right for so long. So I don't know why he decided to change everything all of a sudden. I will admit that. I, I'm very questionable about that because, listen, Dylan Strom is your two-line center. He can be your two-line center. He's proven he can be your two-line center when playing with the right players. And I think he was playing with the right players. He's got to break it. You've shuffled a couple guys on that line on the second, you know, on that second line wing. Um, you know, Perlini's played there a little bit. Cahoon's played there a little bit. Tane's played there a little bit. Hell, even Sod's played there at pad at times. You know, he's proven with quality, he can play there. He can make things happen. Keep him there. Keep him as a center because he's your center of the future at number two. Johnny had a great year. Sod had a bounce back year. And I still have not gotten my rant back in about you guys talking about fucking trading him, by the way. But that's for another episode. Trade him but as Sod season. had a great Absolutely not. <laughs> so, you know, Sod had a good year. Um, you know, like the guys are in place. This offense is there. If they add maybe one or two more bottom six pieces, preferably a depth center that can win faceoffs, they're in good shape offensively. And then you look at the defense. Let's start with one. Get me one defensive defenseman who makes smart plays in his own zone. He's not flashy. I don't notice him often, but guess what? He's a shutdown defenseman. That's what I want. Get me one. I just want one. Let's start with one. You got guys like Bokefist on the horizon that are going to be puck movers. Ian Mitchell's on the horizon. He's a puck mover. Nicholas Bodine, depending if he makes it in the NHL because of his speed, is a puck mover. There's positivity in the future. But God forbid, Stan, if you don't make the right moves this year, we're going to be doing this eulogy thing again next year, and it's going to be a lot worse because you have not set this team up to grow in the future with the young talent that's up and coming. You only need to make a couple moves. You don't need to make the flashy move. We don't need a Panarin. I know there's tons of Hawks fans that want Panarin. We do not need need. I know there's want. We do not need a Panarin. And I know I know there's a rebuttal. I can see all your reactions. We don't need a Panarin. What we need is a depth centerman who wins faceoffs. You know who Panarin is this year? Alex DeBrinkin, who scored almost 40 goals this year. I'd rather have him at $7 million a year than Panarin at 11 Because you know what you can do with that $4 million gap? There's your defenseman that's going to be your shutdown guy that helps Eric Gustafson be a stable second-line pairing defenseman. Who, though, Ron? Who's this defenseman we're getting? We talked about this earlier that there's really not anyone out there. No, and it's but it's going to have to come via trade. For Brandon Sod. No, it doesn't have to be Brandon Sod. It doesn't have to be Brandon Sod. Because here's the thing. Let's be entirely honest really quick. Not all four defensemen that are their prize jewels right now are going to make the team or be in the system in two years. There's no guarantee Mitchell, Bodine, Yoki Haru, and Bokefist are all in this defensive group. Just mathematically, Carl Dahlstrom just got a, a two-year extension. Yep. There's another log jam. You know, they, they've log jammed this defense, even with these young guys on the horizon. So my thought is a guy like, and I hate to admit it because I really like him, Ian Mitchell, or a guy like Yoki Haru, again, a guy I really like, there's a chance that pending the right deal for a decent defensive defenseman who's young and under control and a nice number, that these guys get packaged with maybe a draft pick. There's a chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen. If I had a crystal ball, I would tell you what the Powerball numbers for tonight are going to be and and win $750 million, but I don't have a crystal ball. There's guys out there. And I just hope that Stan is smart because guess what? You know, we give Stan a lot of shit. That Manning signing was probably the worst signing in the history of this franchise. The Kunitz signing of late has looked. I raise you, Cristobal Huey. 
Ah, too, okay, touche. Touche. I respect that. Um, but, you know, there's... The, the, the Kunitz could have been better. Cam Ward, they kind of needed Cam Ward because they knew Crow wasn't going to be ready. So I get it. He was only a one-year contract. I live with it. But if Stan does that shit again next offseason, knowing what this team needs, because it's pretty clear what this team needs. They need depth scoring and they need defense. Plain and simple. Go get it. Otherwise, my comments for next year, my eulogy is going to be a lot worse. And it's going to be a lot more shit talking about Stan. And I think another season under Jeremy Colleton, this team really bought into Colleton. I, admittedly, dog shit effort the other night. Awful effort the other night. Especially against the Coyotes team, who, yes, they're good defensively, but you should be able to outscore that team. They scored one goal. You only needed to score two. This is a team that's been averaging four goals over the last three weeks. If they can go out and address the proper needs this offseason, if Stan can be Stan and make moves like he made the Dylan Strome trade and the Manning trade that ended up bringing back Kajula, who's another guy who I think is going to be an impact player and that they really miss. Tony, you and I had our love affair yep. with Kajula on the episode that we did together. We did some more tonight, too. So Perfect. That's what I like to hear because I like Kajula. They have pieces in place that are going to be meaningful in the future. As long as Stan knows what he needs to do this offseason and has a plan, they have some assets finally in the system defensively that they can trade. Utilize that. Trade a Bodine when his stock is as high as it is. I'd say the only guy defensively in the prospect pool that I would call untouchable is Boakvist. He just scored four goals the other night in London Knights. 6-3 win. He had four goals as a defenseman, and three of them were on the power play. Guess what? He's your power play quarterback for the next seven years. Let's go, Stan. You know what you need to do. Make the right moves. Let's make this team competitive again. Taves and Kane are still Taves and Kane. I don't care that they're 30 years old. Kane's going to play like this till he's at least 34. You got another three-year window to just give it a shot. Because guess what? After that window's over, this team's going to need a true full rebuild if they ever want to get back to cup contention. Because your your franchise players are going to be at the tail end of their careers. Let me ask yeah. you give it a shot. Let me let me ask you one then, Ron. So you're talking yeah. about uh, you want to hit this three to four year window, which I do too. Um, because once Tane and Kays are gone or deteriorating, you're done. Yep. So you want to try and make one more push for this cup. So wouldn't that be good reason to go get a guy like Artemi Panarin? Because you you want to maximize on these years right now. Sure, but here's the problem, though, is you're going to pay $11 million to Panarin. Here's my argument against Panarin. Panarin's a great player. Don't get me wrong. My argument is this. Do you want three to four years of Panarin, who's going to give you 90 points, or do you want seven to eight years of Debrinket and Strom, who combined are going to give you 120 points? Because that's the trade-off right now. Debrinket and Strom are on the horizon for extensions. They have one more year both on their ELCs, and then they're up for restricted free agency. Yeah. Now, here's my thing is that – now, this is this is part of the reason it goes a little deeper um, mm-hmm. that I want to trade Brandon Saad. Okay. I, I mostly want to trade Brandon Saad to get that $6 million off the books because I like Brandon Saad. I think he does a lot of good things, but Brandon Saad is never going to be your big-time point guy. And for $6 million a year, I need more points. Because, And I think you see the problem with him now is why they have him on that third line is they want to be deeper and they want Saad to carry a line. But I mm-hmm. don't think Saad can carry a line. I think Saad's more of your complement guy. So I want to trade Saad, maybe see if you can get a defenseman, 
and then I want to take Fair. a run. I want to take a run in free agency, and maybe you give. Now the Hawks ha- are going to have all this cap space, so if you can take, if you could take Panarin and put him at eleven, and that's hefty, but it, it is what it's going to take, and you're going to screw yourself down the road. But that's future us's problem. And then I want to take Sod six million, and then maybe you boost it up to seven and keep Debrinket, and then. I don't. I don't think Strom's gonna uh, ask for too too much. I mean, he's gonna get his money, but he hasn't he hasn't shown it over a long haul enough where he's gonna get overpaid. So that's kind of the reason that I want to trade Brandon Sod, and that's how I think you make it work. Sure. So let me. Okay. Well, let's roll with your hypothetical because I, I just want to pitch not a rebuttal because I don't hate your idea, but just the philosophy because the Panarin move would really screw this team. Even I think immediately, and here's why. You trade Brandon Sod six. Let's be totally honest with ourselves right now. If you want a good shutdown defenseman, you're probably bringing six back or five back or four back. So you're only really netting about $2 million out of that. So Kruger falls off. He's 2-7, roughly. Yeah. Let's say you trade Anisimov. That's 4-5. You're probably still bringing back salary, though. So let's say you net about $2 million out of that. You have all this cap space. You get to brink it at seven as an extension. Let's say you get Strom at three and a half on a bridge contract, maybe two to three years. I think that's a fair contract for what he's done. The cap is rising, but now all of a sudden that 11 million, you can't go get that depth center you need, or you can't go get one more defenseman who's going to help you right now, unless you shed significant salary. And really the only two significant salaries you can shed, hypothetically, are Keith and Seabrook, but nobody wants them. Because Keats is until all of us are gray in the face and Seabrooks is just ungodly high because <laughs> let's be honest, it's ungodly high. I get why he got paid and I'm not mad at the man for getting his money. I'm mad at Stan for giving him the contract. But, you know, so that's the thing is it's such a math game, you know. But I will admit the one thing this team has in its favor in the near term is the cap keeps rising at a pretty exponential rate. You know, we're looking at about a $3 million raise every year with the cap. And that's huge. That's one player. That's a dominant Cahoon. If he continues to do what he's doing, he gets probably two and a half. Let's be honest with ourselves. Andrew Shaw got, what, three nine from Montreal? Cahoon gets at least two and a half. Agreed. But Cahoon gets at least two and a half. He's been good. He's been really good. I think, honest to God, Dominic Cahoon's probably been the most underappreciated player on this team this year, in my opinion, for what he's done. Because here's here's my philosophy on that is... To your point about Brandon Side, them wanting him to carry the third line. When that third line was at its best, he was playing with Cahoon on his wing. It was him and Cahoon with Anisimov. Then you had Debrinket, Strom, and insert player here on the second line. And then your top line was that Kane, Taves, Kajula line. Kajula has really been the balancing factor. And this is what Tony and I talked about very extensively in that one episode is Kajula, he's enough of a good depth player that he can help balance out that lineup. Right now, they're really screwing around because now Cahoon has to move up. You know, now Saad has to move up. And now that throws the balance out of whack. So there's a lot of things that can be done. And you know what? Based on what I've heard through different avenues, based on what I've heard through, you know, sources that others have that I know, whatever. And even just my own gut feeling. I am firmly believing that the Blackhawks are going to take a run at Artemi Panarin. No doubt in my mind. They're at least going to kick the tires. They have to. And I agree. I think they should. But let's be honest with ourselves. 
if you were Artemi Panarin and you committed to this team, you took a really team-friendly bridge contract. You took six million bucks. You took Brandon Saad money for what he's doing for two years, knowing you were going to get paid with the cap rising, and you get traded not even two months after signing that extension. Aren't you a little salty? I'd be really salty. I would tell Stan to go shove it where the sun don't shine. And it's not, and it's, again, I'm sure he would love to play with Kaner, but he's going to be like, look at, look at Patty. Look at Buddy. I love Chicago. But South Florida's calling me with $11 million. I can go sit on the beach every other day. Or New York. York. Or New York. Or if LA decides to shed a bunch of salary and take a run at him, that's another city. The Hawks just have so much going against them right now that, they would have to grossly overpay Panarin right now. And I'm talking yeah, like 13 million a year. And that's stupid. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, Mark Stone might've been the option if Vegas didn't just jump in and yeah, nine and a half million for a guy like yeah, him who gives you consistently awesome. 75 ridiculous. points. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. I would have, I would have, if we're talking, if they're going to pick a guy to spend dumb money on, spend dumb money on a guy like that. Yeah. That's, that's the kicker too. Yeah, and it's intriguing. I mean, there's a lot of moves that they can still go ahead and make here, and I'm interested to see what happens. So that's my eulogy for the season, guys, but I'll be honest. I'm going to throw a little positive spin on it. Based on the last couple of trades Stan has made, I feel really good about it. I I feel really good about where his head's at right now, and as long as John McDonough doesn't try and fuck with shit, because I don't know what John McDonough does. (laughs) I want to see what happens this offseason. If we are recording this again, which we will be, in August, maybe even a little sooner, maybe late July, you'll know my outlook on this team going forward based on what Stan does between now and, let's call it, July 10th, when free agency huge, starts huge to die off down. Season. Huge offseason. This, is, this so, is the turning so point. So was last year. And, to and, an he, and he fucked up last year, fucked let's be honest. Time. That's why I don't trust him this year. Fair. I respect that. Yeah. So that's why I'm taking the let's wait and see approach right now with Stan because if he, I, we he does choice. right, yeah. but if he does the what he did in season, Stan, okay, I feel a little better about it. But if he does last off season, Stan, and thinks Cam Ward, Brandon Manning, and Chris Kunitz make this team a playoff team, we're fucked. I will personally walk down to the United Center and fire him myself, even if I don't have the power because he deserves it. Yeah, so, can I fire him too? Let's all fire them. Right. A group, right group, group four I'll feathers firing. A group four feathers firing and a, a group <laughs> four feathers. Cheers, boys. Um, cheers. First successful season in the books with four feathers. It's not yeah, over it's yet, Ron. Cheers. It's not. It's he's not he's over yet. he's prematurely calling the end of four feathers for the season. I think oh, I did that. Never, I, here's I think though. Yeah, the well, I guess four, feather, four feather season isn't dead, but I think the Hawks is. That's why hey. I already promoted this as eulogy. So the Hawks, the Hawks may be dead. Four feathers is never dead. We're gonna bring content all summer long, baby. We're gonna yeah. keep this shit so, going. So, like you guys just had a really good back and forth there about the potential moves this summer, and we're gonna have plenty of episodes like that. Um, Ron, we want to let you go. We don't want to keep you too long on your birthday, but I just have if you, just really quick comment because you know you had yep. given the the Colladin. We just wanted one comment on what do you think about the his comments last night? I don't know if you saw the quote, but Tony had mentioned it about the effort. We didn't really start playing until after Arizona scored their first goal, and that was you know early on in the third period. Um, do you? I mean, I know it's a first year head coach sort of deal, but you know if this team. First of all, obviously, leaders on the team should be 
leading that charge of the fire behind them there. But um, do you think that's just the consequence of a first-year head coach not really getting it just yet, uh, not being able to light a fire under their ass? Because, you know, Hugh would have been up in arms. Um, so th- that was yes. just one comment that I want to get, and then watch yeah. you go. We don't want to keep you too long, so don't. No, for we, sure. we can expand on this later. It'll be all off season to talk about it, but that yep. was just one other comment that you know you're, you know, had you had mentioned Colin earlier. So I just wanted to circle yeah. back on that before we let you go. Yeah, so I think, I think it's a case of he's still trying to learn his coaching style with this group, you know, because I, I knew as soon as Colin came in, based on what we had heard from him in Rockford last season. Uh, based on what I'd seen from him on the bench. I went to a lot of Wolves-Rockford games last year. I saw him on the bench enough to to get an understanding of what kind of temper he has. He's not a Joel Quenville where he's going to erupt and grab his nutsack and tell the refs to go shove it where the sun don't shine. He's not that kind of coach. Bring and back Q. Kind of coach. And, and I'll tell you what, from his standpoint as a personal coach, that's okay. He doesn't have to be that guy. He just needs, and I think this is why the offseason and training camp and everything is so important. He needs the guys to understand where his expectations are and to understand his mannerisms. I think they've been learning on the fly this year with his mannerisms of when he's truly pissed or when he's truly pleased. He's a very monotone, like straight face. I'm not going to smile much kind of guy. But he, he needs, like but here, here's my question, guys. Can he grow facial hair? Because it's a major problem if he can't. <laughs> I don't, like I don't think he can. I don't think he can. All right, so he should immediately be fired and never show his face in Chicago again. If you can't grow facial hair and you coach a Chicago team, no no championships. No championships. No championships. Yeah. So hey, I mean, we're screwed <laughs> I mean, until we can get somebody that can grow facial hair. I say I mean that's, I I mean, that's what we that's I mean that's what we've come to here. That's true. We, got some, we have we a coach. Good facial hair on this podcast. Yeah, everybody on this on this podcast has facial hair. I mean, I I, I feel like we're all more qualified than him at this point in time. Such. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, I hope I hope he I hope he lets it at least try. I don't think he's giving his facial hair a chance because with that jawline, would you really want to grow a beard yeah, with that jawline? Yeah, that's a good. If point. I had that jawline, but then again, you get a good mustache with that jawline. Oh boy. Oh. You're the man in Chicago with that. So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. I Again, I was. I know when we talked early in the season, I was very high on Jeremy Calton. Even pre him being hired, I, I thought fully he was the succession plan for Q. I think give him one full offseason with this team and then one full season with this team, and then let's reconvene and talk about what his future is. Because I think he at least needs a chance. He needs a chance for a proper training camp and a proper prospects camp with these guys, and then a proper preseason with these guys, because that really does make a difference. So um, I'm a, I am a Jerry, Jeremy Colleton apologist to an extent. So I say let's give him another shot. Let's give him this year. I'm really intrigued to see what he does with a full year under his belt. And then let's – about this time next year, then we can start calling the jury out whether he needs to be axed or if he needs to stick around and, and continue to coach this team. If he doesn't have a mustache by training camp, I'm not giving him another <laughs> chance. <laughs> I love it. I love we'll it. Tweet, well, we'll Ron, tweet at the Blackhawks and tell him he needs to grow a mustache, just for you, Tony. Yeah, Johnny, yeah. you make a video. Yeah, we'll we'll do it. We'll we'll get it figured out. We'll get all the media attack uh, plan in gear over the summer. So Jeremy <laughs> Colladin, grow a mustache. That'll make the Hawks better. Uh, Ron, I mean, he's got three. You. He's got three or four months, guys. I mean, if you can't get it done in that amount of time, there's something wrong. I mean, there's just yeah, there's something wrong. 
I agree. I agree. All right. Well, we've had Ron on. We've kept him on for way too long. We really appreciate <laughs> it, buddy. Um, it's that, right another problem. You go celebrate. I'm going to crack one right now for you. Um, I'm going to go crack one and take a shot. So uh, there you yeah. go. Cheers there we go, Ron. Let's let's crack them for Ron. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, Happy boys. birthday, Ron. Happy birthday, thank buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Ron, again, thank you. Happy birthday. Um, we are about to go to an ad right now. There are still games to talk about, uh, a little bit of a prospect report, news and updates. So catch us after the break. We are back. It's episode 25 of Four Feathers. It's me, it's Patrick Comiskey, it's Tony Marchese. Uh, time to get some news and updates for the Blackhawks. Drake Kajula is still not in the lineup. Uh, he had practiced, done some morning skates with the team, did not travel to Colorado over the weekend, have not heard anything on his status since then. But the most notable news was that the Blackhawks signed Carl Dahlstrom to an extension two years he's going to make 850,000 on annual average value Um, and they also signed another defenseman out of Boston University one of their prospects Chad Chris he was signed to a three-year deal on a 925k annual average value so a couple defensemen pickups here Um, and we talked a little bit in our group chat about Carl Dahlstrom's extension earlier but uh, let's get our thoughts round table here yeah, I mean, my thoughts on Dahlstrom are kind of to the extent of whatever. I mean, you want to bring him back, that's fine. It better be a two-way deal. That's all I'll say. Um, I think Dahlstrom's, he's fine. Um, he's okay. If if he's, uh, he can't be an everyday defenseman, but if he's your seventh or eighth defenseman, maybe every now and again coming between Rockford and Chicago, that's fine. Um, I think you could... You could play him in that rotating role and trust him a little more than your average guy. So when I first seen the deal, now here's the thing that worries me is like when Stan did it last year and he just re-upped with the same defensive core when he brought back, uh, when he brought back, uh, who, <laughs> we turned down the Tampa Bay. Ruda. I, 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 John Ruda. Yeah, it was Ruda. Ruda. Oh, God, see, I effectively put him out of my mind. I've been trying to do that when we brought back all these guys. That's what worries me is that Stan's going to go on this run and re-sign uh, Slater Kaku and, and all these guys. Like, we can't do it. we got this log jam. Some of them got to go. I'm fine with Dahlstrom being the guy that stays as long as Kuku is the guy that goes because um, you can't bring them both back. Um, so I think Dahlstrom's fine, but... Let's make sure that he is in this limited role. That's that's my take on it. Yeah, I kind of I echo you right there. Is the fact that um, there's a lot of people that I don't want to see back with this team. Um, I don't really have a take too much on on Dahlstrom. Um, you know, he was he's highly re- yeah. He was just he's just kind of there. I mean, he was highly regarded as as a prospect, I guess, in some circles, but. You know, he's another guy that I just don't really notice on the ice. And I don't know. For me, when I'm watching hockey, I want to notice people, right? And and he's just not one of them. So it's just kind of one of those okay moves. I mean, as a bottom pair defenseman, I don't think he's bad. You could do a lot worse. I'm just happy he didn't hand him like $2 million for 
AAV and 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 go that route. But um, you know, I'm just looking for more here, and and hopefully we get there. I know you and Ron kind of talked about it. Like, who are you going to sign? You know, there's not much out there. I, I I guess this is an okay move. It's not the best. You know, I just I I really don't have any feelings for it. It's just meh. There's nothing that yep. like makes yep. me really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have much on this. It's it it just is what it is. So, I mean, I guess that cap hit's not bad. So, you can kind of deal with it. That's I mean, that's all I really have to say. Yeah, when you consider the prospect got more than Dahlstrom, it's you know it's one of those. Yeah. So when Dahlstrom first really came up. Um, this season, I really, really liked him for like his first like five, six games. Um, I thought that he had done some stuff that was a little more outstanding. A couple of poke checks. I was actually at a game back in December, one of his first ones. Um, and it was, it was against the Pittsburgh Penguins and he had a really, really solid game overall. So, um, I could, I couldn't complain about him then, but I agree with you, Tony, he's been kind of unnoticeable since then um over this past stretch it's not a terrible option and then circling back on pats i agree don't bring slater cuckoo back we can't go into next season with the same core um because what's the definition of insanity repeating yourself over and over and expecting different results um i love that definition it's not gonna work so i just i love that definition johnny it, 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 i mean it really rings true um i I know it goes as kind of a cliche uh, a standard saying in a lot of ways, but it really does make sense when it comes to, especially, especially with the Blackhawks decor. We cannot be doing this again. So can it depends we, on. Can we change the one goal slogan to "What's the definition of insanity"? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I took you off track there, but I mean that's what <laughs> I feel like with the last two years, three yeah. years of of Blackhawks hockey is what's the definition of insanity. You know, and you can look up a picture yeah. of Stan Bowman and place it right there in dictionary.com. Uh, what's the definition of insanity? Ooh, I think yeah. we just got our latest Four Feathers meme. So thanks, Tony. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> the yeah, other signing was def- defenseman Chad Chris. Uh, we don't need to go around table on this. We haven't heard too much about him. Uh, he had eight goals, 12 assists in his junior season at uh, Boston U. That was through 30 games this season. He was an alternate captain there. He's going to report directly to Rockford, so maybe a little bit of a quicker timeline for him than some of these other younger guys that are in you know, the OHL or QMJHL um, that we've been seeing. So that's just something to look out for for training camp. Uh, I'm a huge training camp guy, uh, you know, prospects tournament, that kind of stuff. So that'll be someone you'll be seeing gifts. Uh, that I make come September. So just that's all I have to say on Chad Chris. Um, the other little bit of news that we had was that the Blackhawks will open next season in Europe as part of the NHL global series. They'll play in an exhibition at Berlin on my birthday, September 29th. And then they'll play their season opener over there as well um, against Philadelphia. But that one will be in uh, Prague, Czech Republic on uh, October 4th. So any thoughts just real quick on opening the season in Europe? I kind of don't like it. What about you guys? I don't like it at all. Um, This team just has too many distractions, whether it be playing outdoor games like we have countless times. Um, This right here, let's go overseas and play a game. Yeah, it's cool. 
but I just don't feel like the Blackhawks have that same kind of uh, of draw that they did a few years ago. I feel like the NHL uses the Blackhawks a lot for TV ratings and all this other stuff. Um, we've never performed well in any of these special event games, so I'm I'm kind of over this at this point in time. Uh, I kind of look at this as the same equivalent to what the MLB did this year with uh, opening the season in Japan. Games that nobody really can tune into because of the time frame and all this other stuff. It's just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I get the idea of trying to expand your product globally, but I mean, the Blackhawks going over there, I just feel like it's going to be another distraction for this team. They don't really need it. I don't think it really helps the draw per se. This team hasn't performed well over and over again. So, you know, it'd be it'd be more interesting for me to see, you know, somebody like Vegas or Tampa Bay in, in one of these games. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's just the shtick is up. Yeah. The so so up. quick note, the there's two games over there. The other one will be in Stockholm, Sweden, and that will be featuring the Tampa Bay Lightning and Buffalo Sabres. But, uh, Patrick, you have any thoughts on it before I go off? Yeah, I, I want to differ from you guys. Um, I actually kind of like it. Um, I am like these outdoor games, all of them, they start to lose their lust after a while. But, God, they're still fun. I went to the Winter Classic at, at Notre Dame this year. It was awesome. It was a sellout crowd. Um, there was tons of Hawks fans there. I thought it was a good time. Plus, we're going to the Czech Republic there. You would have to think Marion Hosa is going to be in attendance, right? Like, I'll take Hosa that's at any, that's at a, any that's cost, a very good I can point. get them. And I think, too, like this is becoming a younger team. You send that team overseas together, um, they're going to be there probably for a good amount of time. They're going to be in the hotels. They're going to be sightseeing. They're doing all this shit. I think that can be one of those good team bonding things. I think if you tie it back, do you remember in 2013, and they started that condensed schedule with like pretty much every game they played, the beginning of like first 10, 15 games was on the road. And then they talk about if you watch that championship DVD, they're like, it was great. That was all this team building and shit. Whatever. I mean, you got this new millennial coach in Colleton. I'm sure he'll ramp it up. You know, we'll, we'll all be friendly. We'll all do this. And, you know, maybe they can just all get together and have fun. And for the fans, I, you know, it's something different. You know, something to break up the monotony. Like, maybe if the Hawks aren't going to be that great next year, it's like, well, you know, we watched them play in Prague. Like, there's probably going to be people from Chicago take that trip out there so I think you know it, it, it's one of those things that's like you know it's pretty cool and I think it's cool too that and I think it's good for the Blackhawks that even though that they right now they aren't that great they are still they are still the NHL's golden child like anytime the NHL needs to market something or they need to sell tickets or they need to sell jerseys knock knock John McDonough help us out so, you know, we're still we're still the Blackhawks, you know, isn't you know, we're not winning, but we're still the Blackhawks. And I kind of like that. I think it's I think it's it's like a respect thing. You know what I'm saying? Patrick, I absolutely love that take. Um, I'm glad that we have some differing opinions here because I was about to come in here and roast this. But now you're making me second guess it with all the, you know, uh, team building, all that sort of stuff. Like, Am I allowed, the trip. Am I the, allowed the to only... retract my statement? <laughs> so the only thing that I'm going to comment on is I agree with you for all the marketing, the uh, team building, like I had mentioned, all of that kind of stuff. I do like it for that sort of alley. The only things that I'm going to gripe on are the physical logistics of it. I 
like the Baltimore Ravens, I watch them. They go over and play a London game. You look at any NFL team that goes over and plays a London game and then comes back, they shit the bed the next week. And I don't want the Hawks coming back and shit in the bed for two weeks to start the season. Um, let, let, I, let me give let me give you one, Nani. Um, the last time the Hawks played preseason in Europe, I want to say it was Helsinki. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What'd they do that year? Fair point. They won the Cup. They won the Stanley Cup. But, so uh, next year's Hawks team is probably not one of the Stanley Cup, but I think we might be okay. I think, all right. and that I think that is a really fair point, that it's like, well, you don't want to start the fucking first two weeks of the NHL season with jet lag. But, you know, um, I think We're, the NFL's a little different, you know. Like, those guys are getting fucking beat the shit up on every play. But, you know, and... I don't think in a preseason tilt, it's going to be one of those things. Who's playing? Who's not playing? Are they really going at 100%? Like, if, if a it were. season and a regular season. Just so oh, there's know. a regular That's season a, game? It's the very first. Yeah, it's a preseason exhibition on oh. 929, and then a the very first game of the regular season is in the Czech okay. Republic. So oh, that's my mistake. I thought they were both preseason games. See, now, no, I, now no. I would side more with a little bit of your drawback because I thought they were both preseason games. So that that yeah, that does change the wheel a little bit. Where'd we get this guy from? Get who? This this Pat guy. He's got some good takes. He does have some good takes. Yeah, he does. Always, uh, no, you know what? There are good things about it, and there are, like I said, honestly, I think it's more the monotonistic, little, tiny, physical, literally the travel schedule, the getting back and adjusting to you know the time zone and all that. I oh, just don't want to see a shit the bed out of the gate. Duncan um, Keith that, and Brent Seabrook are old, man. Like, yeah. This is really going to affect them. Seabsy for sure. Yeah, right? Yeah. I... You know, whatever. We'll we'll see how it goes. You know what? It it will be. I will. I'll throw one more positive on it then, because um, that we've already listed a, a n- number of both negative and positive aspects of it. One more positive. Dominic Cahoon's really excited about it. This there's another little news update that I'll kind of tie in here with this uh, global series update. Uh, Dominic Kubalik, the guy that we had traded a draft pick for. Uh, to the Kings and got him in exchange, and he's over in Europe playing right now. Stan Bowman had said just recently, I didn't get it in our notes here, but it was just recently that he said he probably expects him to be in the NHL next season. So that could be another forward. Um, he will be over there you know, with the team then, obviously, at least through training camp, even if he doesn't make the roster. Um, he'll be over there with them. And then David camp, you get all those guys that are, you know, those central Europe sort of guys. Um, they were really excited about it. They were using both camp and Cahoon to promote this thing. So, um, good for them in that regard. I will give them props there. Uh, catering to some of maybe their, you know, not as high profile players, uh, and they'll get a little bit more of a spotlight on them. And I like Dominic Cahoon as a person. I just don't like how he's dried up offensively. So that, uh, that's where I'll leave it at that. Um, but either way, Blackhawks opening the season in Europe. We don't have any choice about it. We're going to have to watch them. I'll probably stay up at ungodly hours of the night or get up at ungodly hours of the morning and uh, watch them play. First game against Philadelphia. We don't know exactly a time on that, but that'll be October 4th to open the season there. Um, all right, moving on. Prospect report. Uh, the few notes that we have for this week. Evan Barrett for Penn State. He made first... 
uh, team all Big Ten. So congratulations to him. He's only a sophomore there. Center, um, he was tearing it up earlier in the season, had a little bit of a rough ride into the boards um, in like their second to last series of the year. So he missed a couple of weekends, but then came back. I think he played there, but he did not get any points in that Big Ten championship game that they felt in Notre Dame. Penn State did. But congratulations, Evan Barrett. He's someone that, you know, I would guess he's still going to stay at college. Um, so hopefully he just continues to improve because he seemed like a center that could be really dynamic for us in the future. Um, other than that, Adam Boquist, he scored four goals last night for the OHL London Knights. Three of them came on the power play. Ron had mentioned that a little bit earlier when he was on the call. Um, but just one interesting note on that, and we got to give credit to uh, Barstool Chief, uh, episode two guest. Thank you, Chief. Um, but on his Redline Radio Periscope today, he had said that Adam Boquist is still negative one on the season. So we did a little stat check over here at our ad break. And yes, he is still negative one on the season. So um, you can kind of expect that a little bit. Um, I don't think we expect him to be a minus, but he is an offensive defenseman. Um, so you would hope that the points kind of help outweigh that. But that's just an interesting point. Don't want to detract from it because a four-goal game is still damn good. doesn't matter what level you're at. So, um, yeah, just got any thoughts on Boquist? I know we're looking forward to defensemen, but um, I don't know if he's going to be ready next year. Eric Gustafson, 2.0. Oh, don't say Ooh. that. Ooh, fuck. Oh. Yeah, you both are sitting there thinking about it, and you're like, yeah. Well, I mean, what's this team going to do with two really offensive-minded defensemen? And, I mean, Yoki Haru is kind of almost in the same boat, not not as talented offensively, I think. But, you know, can you really give up that much? One of my issues with these defensive prospects, too, is the size. Is And I know the NHL um, is getting quicker or faster and maybe not as big. But, like, oh, these guys, they got down at, um, in the pipeline. It's just like... They all seem like they're scrawny-ass defensemen, and that worries me. Um, they're all offensive-minded. They, they are. Yeah. It, you know, I'm sure they have a plan because they knew that. And if there's one thing I trust about the Blackhawks, I don't trust Stan Bowman to go make a trade, but I do trust Mark Kelly to scout guys and get the right guys in the draft if he can just tell Stan, hey, these are who, the guys you're fucking taking. Don't stray from this. I trust Mark Kelly. He's been doing it for years. But so obviously they have a plan and I'm sure they'll make it work. The NHL is changing. You know, these guys, I don't think any of them are really coming up next year anyway. So I think it's going to be one of those things. Sit back and we'll see. Hopefully these guys are maybe in Rockford next year. So we'll see a little bit more of them. But other than that, I think it's going to be one of those that you're just going to have to wait it out. Yeah, it's just interesting that all their molds seem so similar, um, whether it be a left or right shot. They're all these, you know, like you said, young, like scrawny. Uh, they're quick. I'll give them that. That's that's a nice aspect to have. But if you don't like what we were talking about, what this defense is lacking, like a Nicholas Jalmerson, like shutdown type. I don't see any of that in the pipeline. Um, nope. You know. Uh, I mean, he's not exactly tearing it up, but like, I don't know if you guys remember when we had Steven Johns, we had traded him to Dallas um, yeah. years ago. Like that was like one that you're like, oh, like, wow, this guy could actually be like a defensive defenseman. I don't know if like just like this is just me racking my brain. It's not like to say that I think this team needs Steven Johns to be good. Um, I don't know if we've had a prospect defensively like that since him. Like, honestly, I can't think of one off the top of my head. So I mean, Connor Murphy becomes kind of your like, 
really only stay-at-home guy. Yeah, and that's, and that's a little scary. And that's a little scary. And I like Murphy. But you know, what, really, really weird take coming in here, and I don't really see it all too much, but my wife brought it up last night, was that Connor Murphy kind of looks like Pat Foley's illegitimate child. Ooh. That one you got to think about. I'm going to have to picture both of them. Yeah, just picture both of them. Because I did the Google research last night. I pulled up a picture of both of them. And you can kind of see it a little bit. That's, That's an interesting take. I, uh, maybe it's just that Foley's, uh, you know, well, they gray, both, they both, gray and balding. Oh, they both but... have that kind of that comb over a little bit of a look there. But I don't know. I didn't really see it. I, I just have to bring it up and and see what your guys well, take. We, there's... So we, we were on four feathers here. We report, you decide we'll give some hot takes on it, but yeah. if you have any, if you have any comparisons, really good comparisons that you think, yes, or some comparisons that you think, no tweet them at us at four feathers pot on Twitter. Um, more than happy to engage your takes. Maybe, maybe we'll uh, post the side by side and we'll let them vote. And we'll see who's right or wrong. I'm going to look it up right now though. Yeah, so that that uh, you know we strayed a little bit there, but that was uh, you know we got into some defenseman talk in the pipeline there after that. But that was about uh, the prospect report when I had just first mentioned Adam Boquist there. I'll go back to it one more time just before we move on to the week ahead. You know, Yoki Haru, they didn't trust him enough, or maybe you know they said they wanted him playing in all situations down in Rockford, uh, whereas he wasn't up here. Um, it just kind of makes me worry a little bit about what the state of this blue line is. Um, Cause I don't think there's that many major reinforcements. Even if you make a trade, you're only going to get one guy back. And I don't think one guy is the answer to this blue line. Um, and especially I think all of our legitimate prospects are still two years away. So that's just my take on it. So it could be another rough year on defense, but that's what the summer will bring. And we'll have plenty of episodes on the off season there. So on to the week ahead. Thursday night, Blackhawks are at San Jose, 9.30 Central Time start. Saturday at Los Angeles, 9.30 Central Time start. Um, Monday, they're back home. They start the Central Division gauntlet, as I like to call it. Uh, they have Winnipeg at home, and then Wednesday, they have St. Louis at home. That's a 7 p.m. start. I mean, we kind of already have written this team off Um I think we were kind of clinging on to the last bit of hope for as long as we could. It's just not realistic for this team making the playoffs. So is there anything to watch? Um, I think Ron brought up a really good point about hopefully John Hayden getting back in, but anything that anything to watch um, for the remainder of the season guys or that you're going to be watching for. Yeah. I'm going to watch for, you got to let these young guys play. And now I think is the opportunity to where you let uh, Dylan Secura uh, as much as it's going to pay me to say it. Maybe let him keep playing the top six minutes, like because now it doesn't matter. So it's like, well, what's this kid got? You know, um, got to get John Hayden back in the lineup. Maybe you pick a couple. Like Chris Kunitz shouldn't be playing. Okay, so maybe you pick that one home game where you solidify farewell Chris Kunitz if this is his last game in the NHL. The we had, and if you thought the last week was ugly. <laughs> saddle up because we're about to start playing some actual good teams. So, God, like, imagine what St. Louis and Nashville and Dallas and Winnipeg are going to do to us. I think it's going to get a little ugly, boys. And, oh, you know, it sucks because I, I'm going to tune in, but I'm going to hate myself for doing it. It's one of those. 
<laughs> yeah, there's my reaction to what you had just mentioned there. Yes, it's going to get ugly. Yes, I'm still going to tune in. Yes, I'm going to hate myself for it. Um, I can't, for me personally, um, I can't bring myself just yet to get myself amped up completely for 65 win White Sox baseball. Um, that's next on my agenda sort of here. Um, I, I love, I love hockey. It's my favorite sport to watch. Um, don't get me wrong. I love baseball. I love the White Sox, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, when I go through and make these gifts, I, I have to like rewind for hockey and like stuff to, you know, go and like capture the moment that I want. Cause everything's so high impact and fast pace. I have to skip forward like 20 seconds to make one for baseball. Cause it just takes so long and it's like, you know, I, I get it. That's just how the pace of the game moves, but I'm just going to miss hockey. Um, that, that's basically where I'm at with this. So basically it's just going to be me enjoying seeing that Indian head sweater fly around on the ice six more times here, um, left in the season. It's sad. Um, but you know what? I'm still going to tune in. I tuned into every game last season. We were done way before this last year. Um, I still did as much as it pained me to do. We're committed to the Indian here, so uh, stay true to your team. That's all I can say for these last uh, few games. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for some decent deals on tickets when they're finally officially mathematically eliminated, I'm sure you can find some good uh, ticket prices for those Winnipeg-St. Louis-Dallas games at home. Um, And then just beat Trashville last game of the year. I don't care if it doesn't mean anything. Just beat them. Um, Fucking right. We, we got absolutely spanked when we were there back in early December. Let, let's return the favor. Um, let's just end the season on, you know, it won't be a good note because we didn't make the playoffs. Obviously, that's going to be better tasting all off season, But at least for a, a physical game result standpoint, let's end the season on that high note there. Tony, any last thoughts? I mean, you brought that right to me on a silver platter. I hate Nashville. If there's anything that I can salvage out of the rest of the season, I know we normally go around and say, what are we looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to the game against Nashville. I'm hoping that they put out their best lineup, and I'm hoping that the Hawks actually show up. I want to see Patrick Kane just absolutely dominate the Nashville Predators, put up put up a nice hat trick, end the season on a good note for me. And, you know, the, there's not much more else that I can say. I know I know we're both going into baseball season. Actually, all three of us. White Sox fans, so um, it, it could be a long year. It could be a great year. I, I know uh, we'll have all that coverage over on Shy Sox Weekly, which we're all involved in. We'll we'll talk about that in a little in a, in a second here. But um, you know, I, I like I said earlier, I'm I'm just disappointed in this team. Um, Blackhawks playoff hockey is my favorite thing to watch, and you know, I held out the hope that it would actually happen this year. Maybe that was a a bad move on my part, um, just knowing what this team has been made of all year. And, you know, I just I hope that next year you, that uh, us three are discussing the first-round matchup against I don't care because I love the Blackhawks. I love when they're in the playoffs. I think playoff hockey is at its best when the Hawks are involved. Um, and I just can't wait to see that back at the UC. Uh, that energy is is. I mean, it can't be matched by anything. So a little bit disappointed that uh, this is what it's come to. 
and I was really hoping to spend at least a portion of April uh, rooting the Hawks on in round one, and we're not going to get that, I don't think. I mean, barring a miracle. So, um, you know, on to baseball season, and we'll we'll keep talking Hawks through the summer. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just excited for the off season and what kind of moves that they make because I'm sure we'll all be able to discuss them and have some sort of hot take on uh on everything that goes on so un- until then for me it's uh go hawks through the rest of the year and we'll see what happens yeah so we just want to clarify here um we're doing a lot of doom and gloom talk just because that game at arizona essentially buried them um they're not mathematically eliminated yet um and even when they are we're still going to bring you coverage um we're still going to be tweeting the games it's still going to be the same four feathers we're not just dipping out as soon as they're done um just wanted to make that clear for all the listeners and followers um we're still going to be here we love this team we're committed to the indian um that's the bottom line here but with that said since the hawks probably won't be in it we still are going to do some playoff coverage we uh have patrick comiskey over there has a uh, idea in mind for a predictions blog roundtable of all the four feathers panelists for uh, how we think the Stanley cup playoffs will shake out. So keep an eye out for that on four feathers pod.wordpress.com. You know, it's tough. It's tough. We had a tough go of it last year. It's going to be tough, probably sticking out these last few games, Um, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We, uh, we love this team. That's all. That's basically all I can say there is my last note on the Hawks for this uh, episode here. But baseball season isn't coming like we had just mentioned. So we do have guys on this podcast, both myself and Tony Marchese. We are on the Shy Sox Weekly podcast. Patrick Comiskey is a blogger over there at shysoxweekly.com. So you can catch White Sox coverage there all season. So be sure to tune into Shy Sox Weekly and visit shysoxweekly.com for updates. And then if you're a Cubs fan, um, our guy Ron Luce, who had called in earlier, he is the host of Northside Nine. That is our Cubs podcast. Um, so they will be doing episodes there throughout the season. Uh, with some of his Cub fan uh, buddies, so yeah, we the you know we may be less frequent in these few weeks right after when nothing's really happening for the Hawks, um, but we're still going to be bringing episodes about off-season coverage, what's going on, uh, blogs about you know any time anyone's extended or released, any sort of that. Um, our socials, we will keep updating those, so um, stay tuned. Let's get through it, and uh, you know that's uh, that's about all we've got for episode twenty-five of Four Feathers. So, any final last thoughts, boys? I wanted to pose the question to you guys um, as like a closeout of with the playoffs starting. We all know the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best playoffs in sports. Just give me one team that you are going to be rooting for with the Blackhawks out of it. Johnny would have bring uh, brought in uh, Philadelphia if they were <laughs> if they were yeah, gonna be in it. You know it. You know that's it. why he's sitting there. He, I know everybody can't see this, but he he kind of paused and was like, "Oh, I don't know who to pick." <laughs> um, you know, Colorado has a chance. I've always been a Colorado fan, and this kind of goes back to um, 
the NHL video game series. I was a big and the first NHL game I picked up was uh, like NHL. I think it was '97. Joe Sackick and I used to play Colorado versus the Red Wings all the time back when that was a huge rivalry. And I've always liked that team since then. Uh, if they can make it in, I'll probably root for them. But other than that, I I agree with you guys that that the the NHL playoffs are the best playoffs in any sport. But to me, without the Hawks in there, it's it's really hard for me to pick an actual team to root for throughout them. Uh, last year was actually the first year I didn't really watch any of the playoffs. I was kind of pissed off at that being the first year that the Hawks weren't in it. Um, every year, even before the Hawks were or were a juggernaut, I'd always followed it all the way through. Um, I don't know who I'm going to root for this year. It's uh, it's kind of tough for me, so I'm not sure. Uh, that's a, an excellent question. I'd say probably Colorado if they make it in, but uh, I've got a really good buddy who's been a big San Jose guy for a long time, and you know I th- I think that might be who I root for. Uh, I think they're they're due for a cup. I'd rather go with somebody in the East though. So I I don't know. That's a tough question for me. I'm I'm just gonna pass on this one. So this may be giving away a little bit of my predictions, as we had mentioned in our Four Feathers group chat earlier today, but um, I'm on board with the Calgary Flames. Um, They are a wagon, to steal a phrase from Spittin' Chicklets. Uh, They produce four lines through, and it's something that I wish the Blackhawks could do. So hopefully a team like that, bodying their way through the Western Conference, hopefully, um, I'm going to be pulling for them. Hopefully that can be a uh, maybe a little bit of a motivation, a look at this and say, oh, well, maybe we could uh, do some more things to get guys involved on, you know, all three lines below Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves here. Um, So it kind of does go back to the Blackhawks in that regard that, um, you know, you you can't expect. It it was great when we were just, you know, outscoring everybody in our playoff runs and we – you know, had our high flying moments, but I, I think that there needs to be a little bit of a getting back to the full, complete team game, and I think Calgary has it. So I will be rooting for the Calgary Flames come these playoffs, Patrick. I like it. I, I like the Flames. Um, and ooh, we seen this on Twitter the other day. The Flames are wearing those oh so sweet retro jerseys in the playoffs. Like, uh, you know, if you're well dressed, you're probably going to play well. I like the Flames. Uh, my rooting interests will be the same this year as they were in last year's playoffs. First and foremost, whoever's playing the St. Louis Blues at the Nashville Predators, they're my team. Um, and other than that, I'm actually, I know they're a Central Division opponent. They're really not a rival, but they are, you know, one of our toughest opponents. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Winnipeg. Um, I like Winnipeg a lot. I like, I like the white out there. I think they have great fans, especially when you're coming from, uh, such a small city that Winnipeg is. They really put it together well there. The whiteout's cool. The building's electric. Just watching games that are like in Winnipeg are really awesome. Bufflin's there. How could you not love it? Um, they'll be the team I'm rooting for. If Columbus can find their way into the East, they got Panarin. I'll be rooting for them. But other than that, you know, it sucks that the Hawks aren't in, but you still got to tune in because they just, those playoffs are just phenomenal everyone raves about march madness march madness don't have shit on the stanley cup playoffs let's say that first and foremost it doesn't love that shit on it it really doesn't no no one does the nba playoffs fucking suck 
Are you really turn, tuning into the NBA playoffs this year? Do you want to want uh, who? What are you going to do? Oh, who's going to lose to Golden State by 15? No, you know none of that. It's the NHL playoffs. That's what you tune into. We got the best, and I'm looking forward to it. Even with the Hawks out of it, it's still phenomenal. It's great TV. I hope absolutely. I hope St. Louis gets their shit kicked in. I hope Nashville gets their shit kicked in. They're probably going to play each other in the first round. I hope they both lose still. Somehow. I hope it ends in a sinkhole. Yeah. Yeah. Take them both down. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had mentioned this uh, in our chat, but I feel like I need to air something like this out uh, on a hockey show here. You know, they talk about March Madness and sure, don't get me wrong. The the brackets the first couple days with all that, you know, games going on, you know, you got three at once and like, you know, you got to tune into five different channels and all this and that. That's all great and dandy. But first of all, there's a timeout every three seconds in the last minute 20 of the game. Um and then they fall on top of that, so you get even more commercial breaks. Um, but what I want to say was, I think the NHL, even though it's regular season still, is the real March Madness because that goes on from the beginning all the way. It doesn't start in the third week like the NCAA tournament does, and these teams are you know vowing for playoff spots. You know we saw how close the Hawks were early on in March, and you know everybody's at each other's throats both in the East and the West. So I would argue that the NHL end of the season's regular season stretch is bigger than March Madness itself. And that's the real March Madness. So that's all I got. Tony. I'm going to, I'm just going to leave you with that. I mean, you said everything that I wanted to say. So this Kinda was fun guys. It. it was fun. It was fun. It, it was, it was a fun one. Um, it's a tough one to get through, but it was necessary. Uh, we got to a lot of good points that need to be talked about. Um, we'll still be back. Uh, we're going to wrap up the season. Uh, we'll talk about these last few games. We'll preview the off season and we'll have off season updates. So that's all I've got. That was episode 25 of the four feathers podcast. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Uh, crack them baby. Crack them.